Welcome to The Positive Effect. My name's April Sobral, and I am the founder of RetailU.ca and the author of The Positive Effect, a retail leader's guide to changing the world. I've had an amazing 25-year career in retail where I've traveled across the globe. I have worked and inspired thousands of leaders. And in this weekly podcast, I bring to you my retail friends and network conversations that will inspire you and encourage you to further your career in retail or beyond. We talk about leadership lessons learned and tips and tricks that can help you be a successful leader. So get ready to be inspired. And if you're looking for more leadership development, sign up at www.retailu.ca. And I'll see you on a live call soon. All right, it's Wednesday. I'm back with The Positive Effect. And this week, I'm so excited because I have Scott Kirby on, who is head of stores at Sephora Canada. Hi, Scott. Hey, April. So excited to be with you today. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I've been looking forward to this one. I've seen it in my calendar. I can't wait. It's been like the countdown to get you on. So before we jump into your story, I'm just going to set it up and get everybody situated because I know people start joining. So if you're joining um, this live, uh, make sure you put your name in the comments, um, where you're coming from, because we have a great international retail community that joins us every week. And, you know, we'll go back and read the comments later. And also, share what you're learning like you know this conversation i bring to life every week it's called the positive effect and it's really to learn from positive leaders in the business of retail of what they've learned in their career to really inspire and motivate all of you out there watching this broadcast to think of retail as a really great career and and um you know i i just can't talk about the positive effect of leadership enough like i wrote a book about it i'm the founder of retail you which teaches uh retail leaders to to be great leaders and yeah today's conversations with scott so i'm so excited we're going to jump into your story scott so how did you start your career in retail was it accidental was it intentional walk us through your journey how did you get into it? Alrighty, is it okay if it was accidental, intentional? Yeah. <laughs> and am I really going to date myself if I say that I kind of started at $3 an hour? Like, <laughs> it goes back a while. All right, so I would first say that I've been lucky, fortunate, honored to work for great organizations and really some terrific leaders that, that helped me through my journey. I kind of see my career a little bit in three phases. So I spent the first chunk of my retail career at a department store west coast in the u.s um, i'm in canada now but i, I grew up in the u.s okay. um, it, it was it was the bon marche that later became part of macy's and i think that i learned really terrific retail fundamentals there and kind of did every role from you know i started as a sales associate you know and then i was an assistant manager and a manager and a divisional manager and a store manager but i learned really great retail principles and probably the P&L side of the business more than anything. As I moved into the next chunk, I joined L Brands and I worked for Bath and Body Works and I was really in that business for about 20 years overall. Wow. So I was a district manager in, of all places, Montana and Idaho, right? <laughs> I, I, you, you think about heading out to see stores and like it's 500 miles between stores, but you know, I. 
I, I really learned the people side of the business in specialty retail. So I was a district manager for a couple of years. I was a regional manager in several of, of the big markets. I started out in the Carolinas um, where I met my partner and picked him up on the, on the road trip. And um, I, I was in the field for about 10 years. Then I joined the home office. I did some store operations work, a little bit of strategy work. Um, later, I moved into the international business, which was also pretty terrific and supported franchise partners in really translating the brand internationally. I saw some, some great places. I um, moved into the Canadian market and led the BBW stores in Canada for a couple of years, which was amazing experience in and of itself. Um, I, I then transitioned back to the U.S. and worked for the Victoria's Secret beauty business. Um, and I'll talk more about that in, in a while because it was one okay. of my, my pivotal moments. But, okay. um, you know, so, so then after 20 years at L Brands, I was transitioned out of the business. Um, and, and since then, I've had just a terrific opportunity to learn some new organizations and, and really work for some other retailers. The funny thing is the amount of times that my roles have pivoted back to Canada, right? right. I, I literally <laughs> had four different jobs now that have all been attached to Canada in one way or another. What's so, the universe telling you? That's really interesting. <laughs> I know it. I know it. And, and personally, I just love the Canadian market. So maybe that has something to do with it as That's well. That's amazing. Wow. What an amazing journey. And I know we're going to dive more into like, you know, specifics about it. But like you've worked for some amazing brands, like some awesome brands. And yeah, traveling between countries. I think that's always unique in retail, right? If you work for an international brand, you can kind of go to different areas. I always say that's amazing. And I went, I went from the UK to Miami to Canada and now back to the US. So it's like, it's a great career that you can actually do that and travel and see different parts of the world, which is exciting. Totally. Yeah. And so, similar to you, like having the opportunity to do it, but there's not enough people that really say yes to those opportunities. It always sounds like a good idea until you, you know, actually do it. But I feel fortunate yeah. to have been invited to do it but but really i've had some great opportunities just by moving around a little bit right yeah and you learn so much by moving around and working with different people in different countries and cultures and different brands so we're going to dive more into this because i know i can see people joining in the chat and making comments that they're so excited to be here and listen to your story so what have you learned through working in retail you know like there's always some pivotal moments that happen in our career you've been in a long time in a long time like me. So can you share any of those pivotal moments? Because the whole goal of this conversation is to learn what you've learned and share it with our audience to inspire them to grow. Absolutely. So probably my biggest lesson, and I know that it sounds a little bit cheesy, is that it's really all about the people, right? So it doesn't matter how great I think I am. It's really about assembling an awesome team that is truly better than I am. And you know, I've had the opportunity of working for some great leaders, but I've had some amazing people that have worked for me that have gone on to have much bigger careers than I ever will have. And so I really think that, you know, learning the power of your team and then, you know, your book, The Positive Effect, the more that you can positively motivate your team, you know, sure, you have to provide some constructive you know, feedback that helps improve. Yeah. But the more that you can support from a positive perspective, your team, the more they just flourish in the business. 100%. So if you think about a specific pivotal moment where you actually learned that in your career, what is one that stands out? 
I think that I probably had lots of pivotal moments, especially in my early days le leading multi-unit retail, right? Mm -hmm. Where you've got people that are hundreds of miles away and you're trying to make decisions and really lead from afar. And, you know, I, I, I promise you I screwed up more than I got it right. But, <laughs> you know, just continuing to do it, eventually it leads you down the right path. Yeah, I, re I mean, I remember when I first got my first district, right, going from like one store to multi-site. And I, and I remember going to stores and going, oh, man, nobody runs a store like me. That's interesting. And then how do I get these managers to actually run a store like me? And I had that moment where I was like, well, they're not going to run a store like me exactly. And I've got to let go a little bit and like just really work through my people and trust them and, you know, set clear expectations and all that good stuff. But I remember that moment very clearly. And I think, I like you say, like, you make mistakes, right? Like I think I had some bumpy roads at the beginning, but kind of figured it out, but realized it was, again, like you say, about motivating and inspiring your people to get the best out of them. Because, you know, like we, we lead remote teams a lot of the time. A lot of people are struggling with that now in COVID, but I always say like retailers have been doing it for years. We've been remote, we've been like inspiring people across the country for years remotely, right? To totally. And if you can, really get your like the teams have all the answers right I, i'm certainly not the smartest guy in the room and if you just slow down and listen to them like they really know how to lead the business and then if you can unleash within each of your team a, a different aspect to, to make the overall group better they'll run with it so why is it hard for people to do that do you think from a leadership perspective because I think that we often think that we need to be smarter than our teams as leaders. Yeah. We need to set the direction. And, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I continue to learn the longer that I'm in this is the more that I listen and, and the less that I talk, the better off we're going to be. Oh, a hundred percent. Like that is a it's hard though. It's a hard lesson. Well, because like I write about in the book that, that, book called Skill with People that if anybody's watching this, if you haven't got that book, download it on your iPad, your iPhone from iBooks. It's literally a 35 page book. And it's about how to have skills with people. And he says in that book, the natural thing for us to want to do is to talk about ourselves. Like when we're in conversations, we're always thinking about what we want to share, what we want to say. When somebody says something, it triggers what we want to um, you know, say next. And so listening is is not a natural skill for people. And I think it's something that leaders really need to practice and develop. And like you say, it's not easy, you know? I'm horrible about talking over people too. <laughs> so like it's, it's really, con and I, I just think of it as engaging, right? I love to banter, argue, discuss, and you know, the more that I can zip it, the better we are. Yeah, I got that feedback. Stop talking over people in meetings. So I would start writing down on a piece of paper what I wanted to say so that I wouldn't actually say it and feel like I was interrupting somebody, you know. But um, so, like, you have had an amazing trajectory and, you know, now run Sephora Canada. So what are some leadership techniques that Scott Kirby uses? Like, what, if you had to talk about your leadership, like, you know, in the book, I described my three pillars of leadership. But if you think about your leadership techniques that have worked for you, what are they? How would you describe them? I, I, I am not nearly as defined as you are, right? <laughs> but but I think I think a couple pieces of it. So being really curious, right? Asking great questions and spending enough time on a few questions to go deep enough that really allow your your team to have the insight on their own, yeah. right? I think is is really one of the best you know traits that that a leader can have. 
I also think it's really who you surround yourself with. I love young people. Young people make us all better. You know, I have a 29 year old son and we're 180 degrees different from each other. And just spending time with him, you know, you, you learn the world through a different view. And as, as retailers, like there's always that next generation that is coming up in our business. I, I, I can't wait to get into stores this afternoon. Like we, we've been closed for so long in Ontario that just getting back into stores is so exciting. But, you know, the amount of young people that that we're growing and developing in our business they're so smart and they're so different from when I started out in retail. I know when we started, it was, well, we had a lot more traffic in the stores. It was completely different time. Right. But I just remember, you know, I I don't know. I think at the time we were just kind of working really hard and getting to that next level and getting promoted. And I think now people want a clearer trajectory, a clearer career path, what they want to do. And I think, these conversations are important because they kind of provide that mentorship and, 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 you know, that belief as well that they can do it. Right. And, and I think we do have to listen more. We do have to create space for people to speak. I mean, I used to go and do like, you know, I don't know, skip level coffee chats in stores and stuff like that when I was running DT and I was at Holtz just so that I could really hear people's perspectives, but it's not always easy to be able to create that um, in an environment. So when you think about culture, right? Like, do you, do you believe that the culture comes from the company or do you think it comes from the leader? Like, how do you create these cultures? What does that look like? I, I think I think both. I, I want to go back to, to to finish off the last piece. So just okay. for one second. So yeah, yeah. Around, around young people. So I mm. think that when you and I grew up in retail, like we were trying to pay rent, buy cars, acquire <laughs> stuff, where young people today want experiences. Mm. They may not ever buy a house, but they want to travel the world, right? Their phone is more important than anything. And so really providing a great experience for young people to grow and foster it, it is super important. Otherwise, they're going to quit and move on to somebody else, right? There's there's so many places for, for people to go work today that they don't have to stay with a company. And we often stayed too long, truth, truth be told. That's a good point. That's a huge point, actually, thinking about that. I'm glad you brought that up. That That's super important. We were working just to pay bills and buy a house. But yeah, young people want experiences. I think about my 23-year-old and she is driven by travel experiences and discovering the world which yeah we didn't I mean I mean I'm going to date myself now but internet just came in and computers when I was at high school <laughs> I didn't have a passport at 23 right 100 right? so, okay so so to, to your culture question yeah so I think we all have a personal brand but I also think we're a part of a larger organizational organization's mission. So, right. you know, companies definitely have cultures that we sign up to, and they're very different based on the organization. The underlying premise, though, of all of them is really about doing good, being good, you know, providing a great place to work so that you also provide a great place to shop. And I think inherently, you know, most corporations, that's kind of their mission. And then I think for you and I, you know, we have our personal brand where we want people to want to sign up to be on our team, you know, and, and I hope along the way that, you know, my role is almost more of a teacher, you know, can can I, teach great lessons along the way that, by the way, also drive great business because Mm -hmm. I love driving the business. You know, it's a sport. It's like playing golf, playing basketball, whatever your sport is, you know, our sport that we signed up for is retail and it's really fun to move the needle, but you've got to have people that want, want to be on your team to, 
to help you do that as well. Yeah, and it's a good point, right? Like we have to drive business. If we don't drive business, because um, people are like, oh, culture's the fluffy thing. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to drive results. Like when I was talking to managers and leaders in business, I'm like, if you want to get promoted, you got to drive results. If you drive results, we all have more jobs. Like you can hire people. So fundamentally, we are in a business to drive results so that we can provide jobs to people, right? Which then brings people more opportunities. So you know, it's just, it's always that balance, right? Like between driving results and then putting people first and creating those programs of whatever you do in your organization to like foster leadership growth. And I think that's, I mean, I was very fortunate. I was like similar to you. I worked for really big brands at the beginning of my career that really invested in me. And I was lucky about that. Like I think back to Starbucks and I think back to Gap back in the day when I had like you know, a lot of people, Gap alumni, we call ourselves now, because we went through all of those leadership training programs. But I do think that that's so important to fuel the pipeline, to to, do, to not assume that people know how to lead people, right? Totally. Let's you, you know what I love from your book, though, speaking about those great organizations, is, is your moment around, you know, having a Howard Schultz in your business or a Mickey Drexler. Like, as young people, you don't realize, you know, that how fortunate you are to be around these amazing leaders. And, you know, I think of some of the moments that I had growing up. You know, I was in a store with Terry Lundgren from Macy's, you know, as a really young person. And, and he was talking about merchandising or, you know, Les Wexner at, at, at L Brands. And, you know, just learning from true geniuses in the business. What did you learn from those geniuses in the business? I love asking what that store moment was like, or can you remember? I mean, you've done a lot, but like, what what did you learn from those people in those moments of those store visits? I, I think typically, you know, we're all the same people. We all put on our pants the same way, right? right. And they've got into these great positions because typically they've been pretty focused and pretty deliberate, you know, one step of the way through their career that mm -hmm. has really allowed them to win. You know, retail is the game of inches, we often say. It, it, it's it's not like these big things that happen. And I think that, you know, they were committed and dedicated and got themselves there. So if I learned anything, it, it would probably be around, you know, focus and edit, like mm. few priorities, go long and deep, don't, don't get scattered and go after a million things. That's a good lesson learned. And that's, a, that's been a hard one, I think, in the last five years, because there's been big changes and swings in results and conversion and traffic. And a lot of people are like, what do I do next? What do I do next? And you can send your people in a spin. And I think, you know, that's, that's a hard thing to do when you get up every day and you're looking at what's happening, especially going through COVID now. But I'm, I'm super excited to get back into stores and, and talk to managers and talk to people with everything that's going on. And, and you know, I got asked the other day on a podcast, do you think bricks are more dead? And I was like, hell no, <laughs> like, absolutely not. There will always be a place for touching and feeling and experiencing. I think that what COVID did though, there was, for years, there's been a lot of stores or a lot of brands and malls that you would walk in and you'd scratch your head, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Tough times kind of weed some of that out. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, better brands will survive and thrive in the future. You know, but I, it, it was a pivotal moment for our industry, for sure. You know, yeah. Canadian malls have always been um, more robust than U.S. malls, purely because there's less of them. And yeah. so they're more concentrated, have better stores. Like there's vacancies in Canadian malls today that have never existed before. 
Yeah, I know. I've heard that like from everybody because I haven't, I'm obviously I'm in the US right now and US is like, I go to a mall and people are busy. Like people are walking around with shopping bags and it's busy and it's great to see, but I have heard that. So I, I'm hoping that that will create some opportunity for some new brands to pop up though. Cause as much as a brand disappears, another one pops up all the time, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what decision, um, I'm going to go back to your journey a little bit. What decision did you make that was one of the best for your career or was there multiple decisions? Cause I get asked this question all the time. I get asked like, you know, by young leaders that want to grow and uh, looking at us and what we've achieved and saying, you know, what was that decision that was, which was good for you, you know? So can you think I, I love this question. I love this question. I think, I think there's two parts to it. One, one is about owning your development, right? So you can go wherever you want if you put together a plan and have a route to get there. But I think the second piece is we often interact with a lot of kind of young retail team members that want to move forward right? But mm -hmm. they don't put themselves in the opportunity to do so. So one of the things that I think helped me in my journey is just saying yes to opportunities, right? So I moved a lot. I moved eight times while I was at L Brands in, you know, a period of 20 years. And, Whew. you know, from <laughs> one coast to the other to Canada and back. And I think saying yes to moves is critical if you really want to expand your career. Yeah. And um, a lot of people, I mean, I did the same thing, Scott, so I can completely relate to that. People like I moved with a kid and then another kid like, you know, I just dragged them with me. Right. I was like, I'm right. taking this opportunity and it's going to be an adventure and we can do it. And I think what stops people from doing that is just their fear, their fear of the unknown, their fear of like leaving the family or their fear of like getting outside of the comfort zone. But, you know, moving will really help you grow. I say this all the totally. time. And you know, it's not for everybody. So you have to kind of, like you said, have a plan and decide what you want to do. If you think about like where you want to be long-term, you know, how do you want to get there? We've all got to have goals of what we want to do. And that was me. I was like every pilot group or every test store or or every flagship, I was like, sign me up, right? Me like too. I wanted, you know, I wanted to make an impact and you have to be willing to do that if you want to grow. Um, and then think about like, as you grow, you're going to be able to take on more and make a bigger difference and, and impact the things that you want to change, right? That's the whole purpose of it. If I could replay it all over again, though, and talk to my young 20-year-old yeah. starting in retail, <laughs> I, I think one of my big lessons, though, is, is that I always stayed on one side of the business, right? So I mm. always had mentors and leaders that, that, you know, would encourage me for the next role, but it was always on the retail side. Like, I, I would love to start all over again and try more things. Uh, right? well, I'd, I'd love to be a buyer. I think that I'm truly a frustrated merchant at heart <laughs> and I love the product side of the business, but I would go into buying. I would go into HR. I would, I would have tried more things along the way. What stopped you from doing that? Cause I have the same career as you as well. I got stuck in operations and sales. Like what stopped you from doing that? I, I think that you always have, you know, your, your, eye is on the prize and that next role. And it's always, always vertical versus, you know, do you really skip around within a, within a company? And mm. yeah. And like some of like, I just think about, you know, some of the people I've had on this show, like Joanne Nemroff, we both know, right. And she'd worked in lots of multiple areas of the business. And I think if you want to grow even more and like maybe potentially become a CEO, I, I think honestly that kind of held me back a little bit as well, just not. But I remember applying for an L&D job 
And I got told by the L&D person, you, you don't have any experience with this. I was like, man, I've been developing leaders and programs for years in sales and operations. Exactly. So, so I think there is an opportunity for other areas of the business to look at sales and operations a little bit differently and think about really what it is that we do. Because like you say, we get all the feedback from the product, we, from, the, from the associates in the stores. So we have all of this wealth of experience that we could transfer into other areas of the business, I hope. In the future, that does happen more and more and more, you know? Agreed completely. Yeah. So, you know, you think about <clears throat> leadership and you've talked quite a bit about it, but like, how did you develop yourself? You, you talked a little bit about like having a plan and developing yourself, but how did you develop yourself through your career? Did you wait for somebody to give it to you or did you go after and, and, and learn? Yeah, I, th I think we all own our, our development 100%. Nobody owes us. And in fact, when, when you do exit interview conversations all the time, you know, you, you always hear from kind of the, the unhappy bunch that my, my leader didn't develop me. Mm -hmm. And we, re we really own our own plan. I think we, we make the plan more difficult than it needs to be. And or it's more difficult crafting it when it's really about experiences that are going to help you learn new things or putting yourself in uncomfortable places and, and uncomfortable times, you know, but we, we own it. Everybody owns their, their own growth. There's no freebies in life. Yeah, that's a good that's a that's a really good point. Putting yourself in uncomfortable um, situations. And it's not it's not easy for everybody to do that. I think back to at the beginning of Banana when I was in the Modern Store Pilot Group. I write about that in the book, and I put myself on a conference stage in front of four hundred people. I was scared. I was so nervous as a manager to do that. But I was like, I'm going to do this anyway, <laughs> like to grow these public speaking skills or whatever it is that I need to do. And that then put me on a trajectory to go to Canada. So. It's 100%. Even that store visit, right? You're in a pilot group. All the executives are going to come and shake you down. And, you know, you're nervous. You're doing the dance in front of the store. Like, those are great development moments. A hundred percent. You're yeah, just letting you're learning, right? Oh, yeah. You're making me think about a Black Friday at Dadeland Mall when I had to have the second day in the store. And I was just, like, just looking after the store for the holiday. And everybody showed up. And I was like, oh, my Lord. Okay, let's go. Not only do you have to deliver Black Friday, but you're going to have to entertain the troops while you're doing it. <laughs> But yeah, but like those less those golden lessons. So like if you're, you know, a manager in a retail store and you're watching this or you're a district manager, you know, put yourself out there, right? Like make sure that, you know, you're taking those opportunities and you're you're if you're not I always say if you're not feeling a little bit uncomfortable, you're not really growing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not and easy. Get back to sales first, right? You gotta be driving results. 100%. And if your business is good, ask for the next opportunity. hundred percent. So if you think about um, you know, like the future, the next era of retail leaders coming into the business, you know, we're not we're not gone yet, but you know, it's life is an evolution. What do you think are the next what what are gonna be what leaders are gonna need to be successful in the future of the new era of retail? I think retail is becoming incredibly complicated right now, partially because of technology, but but new ways of interacting with clients and customers, right? We're talking BOPUS and ROPUS and curbside and deliver from store and stuff that we weren't talking about a few years ago. Yeah. When the core fundamental of what we do is, is really to provide a great experience where somebody says, I'll take it, mm -hmm. right? And so that's still the job. And I think that, you know, the next generation is going to have to continue to simplify and focus what goes on to, to be successful because there's so many 
other pieces of the puzzle today that you and I didn't deal with 20 years ago yeah. that, you know, you still have to deliver results along the way while at the same time managing through kind of all of the new dynamics. Yeah, 100 percent. That's a good point. Simplifying, simplifying. And there is a lot going on. And I know I didn't I, I you know, I didn't ask you this question in advance, but like I'm going to ask it anyway. What, what keeps Scott Kirby up at night? I, I think that um, when you truly don't have a plan, you're, you're anxious, mm -hmm. right? So you know that you're not going to sleep at night if you're worried about something. Right. Right. And, right. and so I think the more that we can just have simple plans, you know, it, it keeps us moving forward, but it also gets stuff out of your head so yeah. that it doesn't keep you up at night worrying about it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's why I have like a journal and I just write things down or in your phone or whatever you got to do so that you, you, you're, not, you're not going to sleep with it. And, you know, last year we launched a meditation course on retail use specifically for people in retail just to kind of like just get the worries and concerns out of the way and just really get present. Um, but that's a really that's a, that's a really good. Well, Scott, this has been an awesome conversation i'm so happy that we managed to get you on i can't believe it Half thank you so much already. for inviting me <laughs> i hope you had a good experience because you know it's all about the positive effects um every week and we just want to say you know good luck with everything and reopening i know that's happening today right like you were just saying that all the stores are reopening today in ontario Back in the game Back in the game. I know. I can't wait to go. Um, I can't wait to get into me and my friend are going to go down for a later. She's got to pick up some stuff. So we're excited about that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. And, um, you know, if you see this in your feed, uh, if you're a retail leader and you come across this, please, please, please share this with your retail network. It was an amazing conversation with Scott Kirby, who's head of Sephora Canada stores. And um, we just want to share this, you know, wealth of information. This is a golden mentorship conversation. I mean, when do you ever get to hear from leaders like Scott, just, you know, about their journey? So we want to say, say thank you so much. And, you know, we're signing off for now. We'll go back and read the comments. There's lots of great comments, Scott, you can have a read after. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you.